Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. You ever go to the grocery store, pick up something, and you know, you're you're thinking, I wanna, I wanna eat healthy. Who wouldn't want to? Of course, we've got to splurge every once in a while, but you pick up something and you're trying to read the label, the nutrition panel on whatever it is you picked up, and there it goes wrong. All I got is calories. I, I got the fat. I know how much protein is in there, maybe sodium. Then I start reading more and I got nothing. I can't figure out what is all this stuff in the food I'm eating and why is the government allowing that? We're going to dig into this right now with somebody who helps people all the time with a medical nutrition therapy practice specializing in so many different orders, including gastrointestinal disorders and gut health and functional medicine as well, integrative medicine. She is a registered dietitian, the owner of Luxford Nutrition. Emily Luxford is with us. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm fantastic, but would be better if I could understand what I'm eating as I try to read the label. And I know this is a, uh, a point of contention for you when you start reading the label. What, what have you encountered recently? Yeah, I was actually so appalled the other day because I went to the grocery store and I think one of my hardest or most challenging cases is actually my sweet son, who's probably my cutest patient, but also probably my most, uh, I would say, he has a very strict preference list in terms of his foods. And so he requested cream cheese the other day. And I thought, well, you know what, that's another good way we could add some proteins and some healthy fats to his diet. So let's go do it. So we went to the supermarket and I went to grab cream cheese. And as I'm looking at all the varieties, you know, they have like 10 different options of cream cheese made from cow's milk to everything that's non-dairy as well. And when I flipped it around, most of the cream cheese brands had very little like milk content and they had six other ingredients full of additives. And in my mind, I really think all you should have is maybe some cow's milk if it's a cow's, you know, a milk-based product and maybe some enzymes to keep it fresh and maybe some salt. But really that should all, that should be it. It should be pretty simple, right? And that's not how it was. Instead, there were several types of gums that were included in probably six types of cream cheese brands. And I went home and I was kind of on an outreach, like, I can't believe this. You know, there's so much stuff in just cream cheese. It should be pretty basic. Um, And instead, it's not. And so I found one out of eight different products that was clean. And of course, it was probably one of the more expensive ones. But that is a common issue that we have Mm. in various foods. We think we're getting one thing, but if we don't turn it around to look at what the ingredients are, you may be surprised. And even as a dietitian, I was surprised to see what was included in most of these products. So that's kind of what I think I want to bring to light today is let's talk about what we should expect from our labels, what are we actually eating, and how should we go about making a better choice for us so that we can actually eat healthy when we're trying to be healthy. But Emily, Emily, doesn't everybody need guar gum in their diet? <laughs> I know. And you know, most advocates would say, but it comes from a plant-based food. It's natural. But that's the problem is that it's so processed to get to the point of it's used as emulsifier. So to get it to that emulsification factor, it's changed so much. And does it really still function the same way as its root source, whether that's a locust bean plant or a different type of plant? Then is that really helping you? And there's not a lot of research out there. And to me, I think that the less processed food we have, the better, because then your body's going to know what to do with those foods. So we really should look at and see how are they getting these ingredients. So if they include salt, 
then we know most likely, you know, salt hasn't been processed depending upon the salt too much. So then your body knows what to do with it. If you're adding apples, well, then pretty much they haven't really changed the apple, right? They might have pulverized it. They might have chopped it. They might have juiced it. But other than that, okay, pretty much an apple is still an apple in that product. But with gar gum or locust bean gum or xanthan gum, it's very different than its original source. And so how does that impact our body? And maybe a little bit is okay, but start turning every box around. And you're getting gums in everything that you eat, especially if you're kind of sticking to that center part of the supermarket. So then does it become a problem when you hit a certain threshold? We don't know. So I think it's always to be, you know, best case scenario, which is to be safe and really try to limit it as much as we can. Quite unnerving. Uh, mm-hmm. knowing what the government allows in packaging. And my, I probably mentioned it before, my favorite one is, contains organic ingredients. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Like, we can see through that, but if you're just rifling through the store, you're going to see, organic, great, okay, put it in the cart, on to the next thing. But Or how about natural? Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, what can they get away with that? Mm-hmm. Well, if they have included a natural food, so if they've included an apple, we'll go back to an apple, they've included an apple, then that means that that's a natural ingredient, so they can call it a natural product. Mm. They can be really tricky when it comes to the front of the label. You know, they use different colors, they use imagery, and then they use these splash words like natural, organic, um, fortified with ingredients, light, you name it. There's so many different claims that they can put on the front of the box or front of the packaging. And it actually works. They've actually done research to show that this helps them sell product. It works for the consumer because everyone's in a hurry. So they look at what's pretty, and they also look at what they think the code words are that they're looking for, those keywords that they want, like organic or you know made with organic ingredients or multi-grain or whole grain or you know, natural, no added sugars, and then they grab them. But that doesn't really tell you what you're getting. And oftentimes, those claims are very misleading. Mm. Wow. <laughs> we could go. I, I love this. How about some of the other things that we need to look out for when it comes to looking at packaging? Well, besides looking at the front, if you're a savvy consumer, then you're already turning the box to its side or around to the back. So that's the first thing to look at. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. I missed that. I'm saying that if you are a savvy shopper, you have already turned the box around or to it on its side so that you can see what's in the ingredient list or what's on the nutrition fact panel. So you've gone beyond like the front cover. So, you know, when you read a book, you look at the front title page or the front cover and you're like, oh, this looks intriguing, but then maybe you go to the first page to really read the first page to see if it's a book that you want to actually read. That's what you have to do with your foods. You have to turn them over and look for a little bit more detail. So if you've done that, you're a step ahead. But then you have to look at serving size because they can change the serving size of the product to make all their nutrition facts look more favorable. And you can't really blame them, right? Because this is good marketing. This is how they're going to sell product and make money. So it's a great business model. But it's not the best health model for you because you might think, oh, okay, this doesn't have too much sodium or this doesn't have a lot of fat. This is within my calorie goal for what I want. But are you really eating a quarter of a cup of it? Are you really eating a half a cup? Mm. How much of this product are you actually eating? Because that's going to determine how much of all these nutrition facts 
you're actually consuming, like how many calories you're getting, how much fat you're consuming, how much protein, how much carb, how much sugar. So you have to look and see what's your serving based off of what their serving size is. And this is where they can get really tricky with serving sizes is that there's something called hydrogenated oils. And you might be familiar with the term trans fats. Have sure. you heard of that before? Uh, of course. Yep. Okay. So trans fats we want to avoid. We really want to avoid these processed fats. But they can say that they have no trans fats in their product if they have less than half a gram of trans fats in one serving. So what they do is they shrink down their serving so that they can have less than half a gram of trans fats. And then they can say, no trans fats. Unreal. When in reality, you are getting trans fats. So that's where we have to go then back down to the ingredient list and look for hydrogenated oils or partially hydrogenated. Those are the key words that we want to look for to see if there really are trans fats in our diet and in our foods that we consume. And we want to make sure that when we're looking at those ingredient lists, that they don't have rows and rows and rows of ingredients because if they do, then it's probably highly processed and they have a lot more additives. You really should have maybe two to three rows of ingredients listed. And you want to look at the first three ingredients and see, are they including sugar in the first three ingredients? Are they including a lot of fats in the first three ingredients? Are they focusing more on whole food sources that are actually going to give you vitamins and minerals and the macronutrients that you need to be healthy and strong? How does our government get away with allowing this? It's a policy issue. I mean, it's really all about policy and what they're allowed to do. And in other countries, we see much stricter guidelines when it comes to food and what they're allowed to include. We have a lot of additives that are okay for U.S. companies to use, but other places, they don't allow them. And so this is where we have to really protect ourselves and be smart about our shopping and make sure that we're choosing foods that are wholesome foods, foods that naturally are being sold in the way that they come out of the ground. So that's kind of the primer of the supermarket again, going back to fruits and vegetables, proteins, how they're gathered and collected. And even then, like when we're buying meat, we want to make sure that if you're getting packaged meat, it really says just whatever the meat source is, like beef or bison or you know, whatever you like, chicken, whatever poultry source that you like, and that they don't have a lot of other additives in them as preservatives to keep them fresh for longer. Mm. I'm just, I almost feel like the United States government, the FDA, when it comes to this kind of stuff, doesn't care. Like, if they, they allow these little loopholes to, to slip through. Like, everything you're just mentioning now, uh, I, I don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's hard for dietitians to understand why, too. Um, this oh. is a, a big a mission to try to reverse or improve, and it will happen over time. It has improved since even, you know, the 1950s. Uh, we have more, I would say, awareness when it comes to how we process food or manufacture food. But we still have to make sure that if you're concerned about your health, that you're your own advocate. So whether you're going to your doctor and you're being your own advocate and asking questions or requesting certain tests, that you're also your own advocate when it comes to your supermarket and when you're buying your foods. And a lot of people don't think about that, but that is a huge part of health advocacy is what you're buying and how you're eating. And if you stop buying certain products because you don't appreciate or value how they're making them, then that's also a stance in terms of buying the products that take the time to make sure they're using wholesome, good ingredients that are actually going to help you thrive. 
It's so deflating because we want to do the right thing in terms of taking care of our health. But I get overwhelmed when I go in and I start looking at the at the labels. Um, and then, you know, I try to keep it simple in the produce section. I try to buy organic if it makes, you know, the most sense. I'll even pay extra for it because I know I'm doing something better. Uh, but all this other stuff, even... Uh, let me ask you, I, you know, maybe this is this is off topic for a moment, but I wonder about it. When when we're buying meats, okay, mm-hmm. now you can buy fresh meat. Let's, let's focus on a grocery store. You can buy mm-hmm. the fresh meat that maybe they cut, got a couple of days on it, or there's vacuum sealed, which has a much longer shelf life. So I look at that, I'm like, wow, I can get it 20 days out of it because I don't know when I'm going to cook it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to freeze it unless I absolutely have to. Is it mm-hmm. a bad thing to, to, to buy meat that is, uh, I guess, I don't know how they do it. They'd seal it in such a way that the expiration date is, you know, 20 days out or something like that. Mm-hmm. It should be fine as long as they're not putting anything else into that meat product. Now, sometimes they'll add various preservatives, but they have to list those. So if they just identify it as sirloin, sirloin steak, then it should just be sirloin steak, but it's vacuum packed, so it'll last longer. I vacuum pack all my food, so when I buy or if I buy, uh, you know, meat from various places online and it's shipped to me, it's all vacuum sealed, so it lasts longer. Mm. Um, and if people do want to freeze their proteins, then that protects it from a lot of freezer burn or other issues that could denature the protein itself, and also, you know, decrease the flavor and quality of the product too. So I think that as long as it's vacuum packed and they're not putting anything else into the meat, then you're fine. You're good to go. Okay. And maybe that might be even better than the meat that's been kind of sitting there and waiting for you to be purchased Right. Um, that might lose some of its nutritional quality. So you said two words. And again, this is slightly off topic, but uh, <laughs> I encounter it. roll with it. <laughs> I encounter it often, and I'm not even really sure, but I know it, it uh, radically changes the flavor. Two words, freezer burn. What is that? What exactly is freezer burn? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I could describe the whole chemistry behind it. Um, I haven't looked into that in a while, so maybe you're barking off the, up the wrong tree for this uh, explanation. But basically, it's um, just uh, the uh, change of ice and crystals, I believe, that's forming, forming on, the pro- on the product because of change in temperature. Don't quote me on that. Okay. That's not my expertise, but I think that I think that's what's happening there. Gotcha. Um, it's been a long time since I reviewed that. But what I do know from personal experience and from various research that I've read is that it does impact the flavor and the taste profile of the meat and the texture of the meat when it does occur. Um, and that's true for vegetables too. So if you really want good quality experience and really to reap the benefits of it, then you want to limit the exposure to any type of freezer burn. And also, if that's happening, then there's a change of temperature that's also occurring, which could be problematic in terms of its freshness. Oof. Okay. So I try to get, if I see a little bit of freezer burn, I'm like, yeah, you know, it could be okay. Um, I opened a frozen dinner the other day, just was in a rush. Mm -hmm. I try to, I haven't had those in a long time, but I was in a rush. And the amount of freezer burn was about the same amount. And freezer burn, I'm talking about, you know, the ice crystals, about the mm-hmm. same amount of the product that was in there. It was like almost bulging <laughs> in the package. Yeah, so that's probably not a good thing. No, 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 no. Yeah, that went right in the garbage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, you know, what I'm hearing from you 
Emily, is that even you know some freezer burn can change the nutritional value. Of course, the taste is is going to be a, a little off. Um, so that's, I guess, something that uh, we should be mindful of then. Well, if the taste is different and the texture is different, then most likely the nutritional content is also different mm. because those are the things that impact flavor profiles and textures of food. That's wow. why when you eat, for example, bison, which is a very lean meat, and you compare it to like a higher fat meat, there's less flavor involved because the nutritional content of bison is very different than, you know, your organic, you know, uh, grass-fed beef. So wow. Or if your texture and your flavor changes because of something that's happening like with a freezer burn, then, of course, that probably does impact nutritional value. Now, I did a quick online search because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't misinforming people, and I was correct. It's when foods are exposed to, like, colder, drier air that then changes that moisture value, um, which leads to the crystal formation. I don't think I've ever, and and thanks for looking that up, I don't think I've ever uh, come across a freezer that's not had any freezer burn. I don't think you can avoid it after a period of time, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's always going to be changes in humidity, changes in temperature, Mm -hmm. you know, fluctuation here and there. Um, But if you have some significant freezer burn, to your point, maybe it's time to look into your freezer because there could be some radical temperature changes that could Mm -hmm. be uh, dangerous to the food potentially. Yes. And also I know that how you pack your freezer or how the air is circulating in your Mm, freezer can contribute to more freezer burn. So you need to make sure that there is adequate circulation in your freezer Mm. so that the temperature can maintain at the appropriate level. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest, I would say, you know, issues or triggers for freezer burn is that you have too much in your freezer to begin with, and it just can't maintain the level like it should. And, you know, to your point there, you could also do your freezer harm without proper uh, ventilation mm-hmm. because you're going to build up con- condensation on the uh, the fan that circulates. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I've fixed, I fixed freezers before, even the last couple of years that have had that, mm-hmm. not even kidding. So mm-hmm. good, yeah. good point. Yeah, so. That's, you know, it's all about uh, how you set things up. And, you know, talking about how you set things up, the refrigerator, how you set up your refrigerator can impact how you eat, just like how they put various foods on different shelves at different eye levels in the grocery store Mm. determines what you pick up at the grocery store and what you end up purchasing. So having various things set up at certain levels, whether it's at home or however, you know, if it's a work office, you want to keep various things like produce or, you know, good proteins at your eye level and try to limit the processed foods at your eye level so that you're more inclined to pick up the well-rounded, wholesome foods uh, for most of your meals. So got a couple of minutes left. What are some of the other things that we could or should watch for when we're going through the grocery aisles and we're trying to interpret what uh, is, is actually on these, you know, packages? Well, remember that perimeter is typically your best place to shop just because there's really very few uh, processed foods. But when you are grabbing something from the center aisle, you want to look for an ingredient list that has very few ingredients, so less than five, preferably. So if you're getting peanut butter, it should really be peanuts, oil, and salt. If you're getting frozen broccoli, it should really just say broccoli. You want to make sure that that ingredient list is small. And then you want to also check and see if you have something that you're concerned about, whether it's fat intake or sugar intake, 
you want to look at that nutrition fact label and see how much content is in a serving and then also compare it to the serving that you normally eat so you know how much you're consuming. But be wary of anything that's as low fat or low sugar because typically when they remove something like fat, they end up putting more sugar in to balance it. Or if it's as low sugar, they remove the sugar and then they put a lot more fat in to help mm. balance it. Same thing with gluten-free. Just because it says gluten-free doesn't mean that it's healthy. So we really want to look at a specific ingredient list. Make sure you know everything that's on that ingredient list. Keep it to less than two to three rows of ingredients. So less than five ingredients is ideal. And then check to see if you're diabetic. Really monitor your carb intake. If you have high blood pressure, monitor your sodium intake. If you have a history of cardiac issues, look at what kind of fats you're getting in your diet. And that'll help you make sure that you're getting a variety of nutrients that's going to protect you and prevent any health complications. Um. Interesting that we are talking about this because I found that uh, years ago, sugar-free cookies, sugar-free, mm -hmm. su fantastic, sugar-free. Oh, this sounds like something great. The amount of fat that was in there and the amount of calories, insane, mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, all the, and all the sugar substitutes that come along with it that lead to digestive distress and uh, fat deposits in your abdomen. Uh, so these are all things that we need to consider. You know, just because we take something out doesn't mean it's a better product. It actually may they're worse for you in the long run. Right. Uh, how do we work with you if we want to try and decipher some of these products? And I, I, I do believe that we all need a plan. Like I don't even, sometimes I'm just you know, running blind there in the grocery store. I'm not really sure what I should be buying or how I should be buying it. Uh, how do we connect with you, Emily? You can go to luxfordnutrition.com and set up a complimentary session with me to learn how I can help you improve your health goals. We do a variety of classes that are virtual, but we also do in-person classes. And we even go through the supermarket with you to help you make choices. Final question. Out of all the crazy things that go into our food with the crazy names, okay, <laughs> like guar gum and all of that, is there something, can you pick one, two things that have a funky name that's actually okay for you? Oh, that's a tough question. You're putting me on the spot there. You may have answered it already. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let me think about it. Uh, I would mm. say... Mm. Riboflavin, Flavin? <laughs> yes, maybe, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe a micronutrient, like, <laughs> like a B vitamin, or maybe even uh, lactobacillus. Or bifidobacteria, those which, are which is yo in yogurt, probiotics, right? That's in yogurt, but okay. those are tough to say. What uh, about? But, yeah, I love the probiotics. Uh, okay, so while we're talking about nutrients, um, what what about some of the names there that we might not know that are actually okay for you? Well, of course, any type of vitamin or mineral. You know, I don't necessarily want people to go out and buy fortified foods. Um, but there are some grains that are fortified that help us make sure that we're maintaining folate in our diet and some other things to prevent various deficiencies. Mm -hmm. so if we do see some uh, vitamins or minerals, that's okay. There's certain ones that we want to make sure we're consuming in our diet, like vitamin A, vitamin C, D, minerals like iron. Those are important, and those can come with a variety of names that might be a little shocking to some people. Um, but really, it should be back to basics. You know that old commercial about ice cream that had the young girl who was trying to decipher what the words were in the ingredient list and she couldn't really pronounce it? We should be able to pronounce everything that we're eating because it should just be you know, very simple, classic ingredients that you could pick out of your garden or have like in a homestead environment where you're raising various you know, animals. So 
we really shouldn't have to find anything too complicated. I would say the most complicated things that come to mind would be those bacteria strains that we find naturally in certain things like pickles or apple cider vinegar or other foods that we might find that are cultured. Excellent. Uh, learned a lot today. Learned a lot of what we should be looking for. And again, luxfordnutrition.com is your website? Yes. Yeah. There's more to be learned. Come and visit us. Yeah, and you got a lot of great stuff on your website, but certainly, you know, start the conversation if uh, if somebody's looking to to get healthy and want to navigate the grocery store. Because I got to believe you could send somebody off with a list of what they need to buy uh, based on their likes. Um, you know, call it a diet plan or whatever. And uh, I, we all need that. I'm sorry, I, I don't know what gore gum is. I still don't. <laughs> Well, you know, the funny thing is is that we deal with symptoms every day on a regular basis that we think are normal. But if we just change how we eat slightly, we can reduce a lot of those symptoms and we can feel 10 times better. And it's quite shocking that it has such a significant impact, but it can. So that's what we want to strive for. Keep life simple, eat simple foods, and feel great. And what worked for you in the past, nutritionally, may not work anymore. Love pizza. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your body changes. I love pizza, you know, for, for decades lately, eating pizza, pretty sure it's a cheese, not working for me so much anymore. Um, and your body changes. So yeah, things mm-hmm. to be mindful of. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to the next time. Same here. Coming right back. Hang on. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Let's go inside the mind of a 10-year-old. I should have worn those earrings today. I like those earrings. Gabby has those awesome earrings. I need to ask her where she got those, but that's just what she would want me to do. I'll have Michaela ask her for me. Buckle up, Sarah. Yeah, but then Michaela will be like, why don't you just ask her yourself? That's just like Michaela. Sarah, buckle up. Michaela's such a great name. I wish I was called Michaela. There's like a dozen Sarahs in my class. Hey, we're not hitting the road until you buckle up, honey. Oh, yeah. Seatbelt. I forget sometimes because my brain is, like, busy, you know? I wonder if there's pizza at school today. Sometimes it can be tough to get through to your kids, but it's not impossible. Always make sure they're wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Remember, you have the keys, you have the power. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information.